Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. We're stopping to, uh, to pray together, whether it's your lunch break or if you're at work, you just pause for a moment and corporately we're praying in that way. But also tonight, uh, we're having first Sunday prayer. So this is our, our prayer service tonight from 6 to 7. Next week, during 21 days of prayer, next Sunday night, we're going to have a prayer service again from 6 to 7. And then you heard it in the announcements on September the 17th, we are going to uh, celebrate our church turning seven years old. And not only that, but have a night of worship that night to, uh, to just celebrate what God's doing. And it's going to be a powerful night. We want you to be present for all those things. And just see what God can do in your heart when you just give Him your attention, when you give Him your focus, when you give Him your time. Come on, time is one thing that we can never get back. I would ask you today, where are you giving your time? Are you giving your time to things that matter? Or are you giving your time to things that are just benefiting you? What, do you, what are you giving your time to? Let's give our time to some things that matter and see what God can do. Uh, the Flourish Conference, you heard that, this Saturday, beginning at 8.30. It's only $25 to come to this. You can register on the Church Center app. We would love for you to be here if you're a lady. It's always, I mean, this conference every year is so powerful. It's so encouraging. It's great fellowship. Uh, there's there's going to be food. Come on, somebody. Uh, it's going to be a good time. So be here this Saturday. Get registered this week. There's a lot of you that already have, but if you haven't done that, Get registered this week. Be here at the conference this Saturday at 8.30. It's going to be a good time. Impact Youth meets on Wednesdays from 6 to 8. Um, want to let you know, also, this Wednesday begins our iKids Grow Groups as well. And so uh, this, this building will be full of, of, of kids all the way through youth age uh, on Wednesday nights, just learning about God, worshiping together. And so we want you to be a part of that. You can register your kids for the iKids Grow Group. If you're in a grow group yourself, you can register them and and uh, they can be a part of that on Wednesday nights, and then Youth Wednesdays from six to eight. And we have uh, we have decided to go back and do something. We uh, a few years ago we transitioned the age of youth from seventh to twelfth grade, and we felt like the Lord is uh, is calling us to step back one age or one grade. And so youth is now going to be for sixth through twelfth grade, and we want to really invest in our middle school students as well as our high school students. And uh, so if you're in the 6th through 12th grade, we would love to have you here, uh, right here in this building on Wednesday nights from 6 to 8. It's going to be a good time. The iClub retreat, we've got second service uh, every single Sunday. Our iClub ministry meets 5th through 8th grade. They meet next door um, right after worship, and their retreat's coming up. So we'll be in prayer for that, and uh, we'll be giving you more details about that, how you can get them registered and all of those things. Uh, you heard me talk about our anniversary Sunday on September the 17th, and I want to take a moment before we get started in this series, and I want to pray for another church in our community. Uh, we, we say this often, but we know and we realize that it's not all about us. Right. This thing is not about Impact Church. This That's thing is right. about Jesus. And uh, there are so many incredible churches all over our community, our city, our county. And today, I want to pray for Cornerstone Baptist Church. So can we do that today? Let's bow our heads. Let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. For the opportunity we have to be in this room right now, worshiping you, praising you, giving you all the glory and all the honor and hearing your word today. And Lord, we thank you for so many incredible churches all across this, this county, all across this city. And Lord, we just ask you to, 
to, to be with Cornerstone Baptist Church today. We know that you're right there in their midst. Lord, I pray for their leadership, their pastor, their congregation. Lord, that everything that they do be about building your kingdom, and we pray your blessing on them, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church to serve with them in this community. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. amen. All right, well, today we are beginning a new series uh, we do this two to three times a year where we will go through a specific book of the Bible verse by verse and we will see what God's word says and how it applies to our lives and what we can get out of it. Because how many of you know that God's word, every part of God's word is important for your life? And so we think that not only topical series are important where we talk about different things that, uh, that have to do with our lives specifically or maybe cultural things or whatever it is that God is putting on our heart as a church to speak to. Uh, we also love to go through specific books of the Bible, and today uh, we're beginning a series through the book of Philippians. And I was telling my wife, uh, for several months I have felt led to do a series going through Philippians, and I had put it off and put it off and put it off, and we were in the summer months, we were talking about the Holy Spirit and that entire series, and just felt like the Lord uh, said that now was the time to, uh, to go through this book. And it's, it's interesting to me, I love the book of Philippians. Anybody read the book of Philippians? Every time we do a series through the book of the Bible, I always encourage you, every single day, read a chapter. Read a chapter. So over the next several weeks as we're going through this, read a chapter every single day. And how many times, think about how many times you'll read through this one letter from Paul uh, and how it'll benefit your life and how to get in your heart and get in your, uh, get in your soul and get in your mind. Uh, but I always love to start off with just a little bit of practical information, kind of give you some context for the book that we're going through. Um, we, most of you probably know this, but... Uh, the first question would be, who wrote Philippians? Uh, and we know that this is Paul, and you'll see that in just a moment. He, he says that this was him, who, it was he who wrote it. And so Paul you know, wrote, some people would say you know, a third, some people would say a half, some people would say even more than that of the New Testament, depending on how you're looking at that. But he wrote uh, Philippians. It was written to believers. That's important for you to know. A lot of times we read our Bibles. You ever read your Bible and you saw something, you're like, they need that. But then when you think about it, it's like, but they're not even a Christian. You need this. Paul wrote this to people who believed in Jesus. Amen. Not to people who didn't believe in Jesus. He wrote it to the people who believed in Jesus. So sometimes we read things and we're like, whew, that's good for unbelievers. It's like, wait a minute. He wrote that to me. That's for me as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. Um, when was Philippians written? If you, if you read through Acts, a lot of the letters in the New Testament, they, they correlate with the book of Acts. And so you can kind of see Paul's first missionary journey and second missionary journey, all these, all these things that are going on in the book of Acts, and you find out, um, I can't, couldn't tell you where, exactly where it's at right now, but you see that, it's, I believe it's in AD 48 to 51, somewhere in there, that uh, Paul planted this church in Philippi, and it's about 10 to 13 years, give or take, later that he writes this letter. So most believe that it was about AD 61, so the year 61, uh, when Paul wrote this to these believers, and he's writing from prison in Rome. And then the last thing that I just want to talk about for a moment before we really dive into this is what is the purpose of Philippians? Um, Philippians is most commonly called uh, the, a, a joy letter or Paul's joy letter. Uh, the theme of Philippians is joy. In this series, what we're really going to do over these, these weeks is we're going to talk about different areas of our lives and different things that we walk through and that we experience that we can still have joy in. Because we're going to see that Paul's in a situation that most of us would feel is not joyful, but he still has joy. Yeah. And even one, one place we're going to get to in this series, Paul even says, rejoice. I will say it again. Rejoice. I mean, the, the, 
When you really think about Paul sitting in this prison, writing this letter, and, and the theme and the purpose of this, the underlying theme of this is that God wants you to have joy in your life and that you can have joy no matter what. That you can have joy no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter if, if things are good, if things are bad, you can still have the joy of the Lord in your heart. One, one person said it this way, Philippians is Paul's joy letter. It contrasts the world's view of happiness or joy with God's perspective. True joy is deep and strong, not superficial. It is in the quiet, confident assurance of God's love and work in our lives that he will never, or that he will be there no matter what, that God's always there. That no matter what we walk through, we can have joy because we know God's with us. Amen. If it's a difficult season, he's there walking through it with us. If it's a good season, it's every good gift comes from God. I mean, it's like God's always there, and so we can have joy. And so uh, I've titled the message today as we jump into chapter one, Joy in Suffering. Joy in Suffering. So let's look at this, and uh, we'll kind of break this into sections as we do when we go through a specific book of the Bible. But let's start in Philippians 1, and we'll look at verses 1 through 6. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. One of the first things, when I, when I start reading through Philippians, one of the first things I notice is that Paul talks about how he prays for these believers. And I was thinking to myself, we talk a lot about prayer in our church, and we have prayer services, and, and we have prayer at the end of every service on Sunday mornings, and we really try to emphasize prayer. We have May We Pray, and we have 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, and 20 Days of Prayer, but I, I was wondering to myself, how many of us really take time, and we stop, and we actually pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ regularly? Paul writes these, these believers, and he says, hey, I thank God for you. And in all my prayers for you, in all my prayers for you, in other words, I'm praying for you all the time. I'm praying for you all the time that everything that I'm even about to write to you would come to fruition in your life. I'm praying for you all the time. And Paul mentions the importance of prayer in some of his other writings and letters as well. But I was just asking myself this question that I want to ask you today. Do we really pray for each other? I mean, if we really stop and think about it, do, do I really pray for you? Do you really pray for me? Do we really take time weekly or daily or, you know, when somebody's name comes to your mind and you really stop and you, and you could say, like Paul says, when I pray for you, this is what I'm praying for you. It's important. It really is important. We need to be people who pray for each other. Do we have regular times of thinking about others and praying for one another in our daily rhythms or in our weekly rhythms? Or when someone reaches out for prayer and you say that you're going to pray for them, do you actually stop and pray for them? Or is that just the southern thing? Come on. <laughs> Woo! We're going to get real today. Is it just the southern things? Like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Or do you actually stop and pray? You, you should try this. You should really try this. We've tried this from time to time, and it really catches people off guard. You want to catch somebody off guard if they come to you and they're like, man, I could really use prayer in my life. Just say, well, let's just pray right now. Most people would look at you and say, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? 
And really, it's because it's a cultural thing. Like, we, we look at this and we, like, we say things like, well, I'll pray for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. But are you really? And Paul said, I thank God for you. And in my prayer, like, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And we need to be people who pray for one another. It's harder to be at odds with someone when you're consistently praying for them, isn't it? You ever been upset with somebody? It's, it's, it changes things. <laughs> Some of you are like, ah. <laughs> they're sitting next to me right now. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Do I nod? Do I just, you know, look straight ahead? Isn't it, isn't it a little more difficult to stay upset with somebody when you're praying for them? When it's, not, when, it's not about, when it's not about, well, I'm right and they're wrong, but it's like I see this in their life and so I'm going to pray for them. And instead of being upset with them, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. We need to be people who pray for one another. And then verse 6 is a verse that we, we love to quote this verse. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know that God is the one who started a good work in you? Amen. When I look around this room right now, I see lots of people that God has begun a good work in you. Amen. And you need to know today, listen to me, he's faithful to complete it. Right. Ooh, he's still working in your life right now. You thought you just came to church today. No, this is God working in your life some more. You go home and you open up the word. Oh, no, that's God working in your life some more. You encounter that person at the store that stops and has a conversation with you, and you're like, wow, that was a coincidence. Oh, no, that's God working in your life some more. Yeah. He's working it out in you. And here's our responsibility. This is so good. Our responsibility is to let him. Amen. To not be people who stiff-arm God and what he's doing in our lives, but that we actually allow him to do. Oh, you can, you've started a good work in me, and I'm allowing you to complete it. I want you to do in me whatever it is that you want to do in me. Wouldn't that be awesome for that to be our prayer? That every morning we wake up and we would say, God, do in me what you want to do in me today. I have no agenda today. I, have, like, I just want to serve you today. Everywhere that I go, on my job, when I'm at school, everywhere that I am, I just want to be about the things that you're about. Just complete this work in me. Keep working this thing out in me. One, one commentator, I love this, he wrote this. He said, people often start projects with great enthusiasm. You ever started anything with, I mean, you were just pumped. You were excited. You know, it's like right now, some of you, some of you are not if you're going back to school or, you know, if you're a teacher and you're just going back to school, but there's like kind of this excitement, you know, for me right now, there's this excitement around college football. Any football fans in the room today? <laughs> like yesterday, my wife, she posted on social media, we were heading to our son's football game and, and, uh, the game was on that I wanted to watch preferably, um, <laughs> at 11 o'clock and we were on the road, and normally I'm driving. I just like to drive. I don't, I don't care to ride. I just, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but my dad's the same way, and, um, and, and I let her drive. I, I, she drove the vehicle so that I could watch the game in the passenger seat, and she actually offered. She actually offered. I don't think she thought that I would take her up on it, but I did. <laughs> I did. I did. But we often start things with great enthusiasm. He goes on, he says, However, when their zeal fades, the work fizzles out. But God is not like us. He never undertakes anything that he doesn't finish. When he begins a good work in a believer's heart, it's as good as done. When you gave your life to Jesus and God began that work in your heart, it was as good as done. 
You've just got to allow him to continue to work in you every single day. And he is faithful to complete what he started. Amen? Amen. Look at verses 7 through 11 in Philippians 1. It says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I love this because Paul, he's commending these believers, I believe, for, for standing with him, being faithful with him in the good and the bad. He's in, he's in prison right now. He's in chains right now. He says, you know what? I'm thankful for you. It's right for me to feel this way because your heart's been with me. Whether I'm, you know, defending the gospel, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm preaching to the crowds, whether I'm writing something, like you're with me in heart. You're praying for me. You are there with me. And Paul's commending these believers because they had supported him in the good and the bad. Have you ever had any fair weather friends? You ever had any, any people in your life that they were with you when things were good? And then when things turned south, they were MIA? <laughs> it's like, where'd you go? <laughs> right? You ever, you ever known any? Come on, don't nudge anybody. Don't look at anybody around the room. Just look straight ahead right now. You ever known anybody who was a fair weather Christian? Like, they're on the bandwagon when things are up and to the right and things are going their way. But then there's a real struggle there with God when things are not going their way. Have you ever been that way? I would say that we've all been that way, myself included. There are times in life where, man, life just gets hard sometimes. But Paul says, man, I'm, I'm so thankful for you because you are, like your heart has been with me when it's good, when it's bad. You've never walked away. You've continued to support me. I'm continuing to pray for you. Come on, we need some people in our life. That's why you need to be in a group, man. Amen. You need to be in a group. You need some people in your life. You need some people around you who are heading in the same direction you are. And they will not let you stay down when you fall down. Ecclesiastes says, pity the person who falls and does not have somebody to pick them up when they fall. Pity the person. Man, it is my prayer for you that every person in this church would have a community of people. I'm not talking about four or 500 people that you're like, yeah, those are my people. I'm talking about 10 to 20 people in a room, in a house, studying the word together, doing life together that you're connected with, that they know they've missed two times in a row, something's wrong, we need to check on them. You need this in your life. You need people around you like that. And this is why we do groups. It's not just about discipleship. Discipleship's important. It's a great commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. And we want to make disciples as a church. But man, this thing is twofold. It's making disciples, but it's also encouraging each other, being there for each other, picking each other up when you're down, making the phone call, looking forward to gathering together every single week. We need it in our lives. I pray that we be people who serve God when things are good, 
and that we would continue to be faithful to serve God when things are not good. Amen. That even when things look bad, that we are not going to walk away from the God that we serve. God's goodness is not contingent upon your circumstance. Right. Right. He's always good. Right. Every single time. Yes. Right. All the time. Paul also prays for these believers, and I think we can take this for ourselves as well. He prays for their love for the Lord to continue to grow. And I really like this because he's not praying for their, like, this is authentic love, not emotional love. I don't think Paul's praying for their emotional love for the Lord to grow. Like, I pray that you get more goosebumps when you come to church. I pray that you, like, not that. He's praying for, like, this deep, I choose it unconditionally in the good and the bad. I'm going to serve God. He's praying for their love for God to continue to grow. And he prays for them to be able to discern what's best for them. And we need our love for the Lord to continue to grow and this discernment to know what's best for our lives. You ever made decisions and you just weren't really sure? Do you know that God can give you wisdom? That you can know, you can discern what's, what's the best decision, what's the best thing for your life, what it is that God's leading you into. You can have that. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. We talked about that over the summer. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. And Paul is praying for them, and I think we can take it for ourselves, for our love. Come on, what would it look like in your life for your love for the Lord to grow in this next season of your life and for you to have greater discernment for what it is that God's leading you into and what he has for your life in this next season? Well, wouldn't that be awesome? For you to just love the Lord like you've never loved him before. And he's speaking to you, and you have his wisdom in your life. And then Paul kind of shifts gears a little bit in verse 12. 12 through 14, he says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I want you to think about that statement for a minute. Paul says it has become clear everywhere around here. All these people are starting to realize that I'm here for Jesus. It has become clear, look at it, throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I love Paul's perspective. I love when you read something and you're like, man, Paul, you are going through something difficult right now. And he gives us a completely different perspective, especially on this situation, because he's faced difficulty. He's chained up in prison, but he's excited because everything he's going through is promoting the gospel. He says, oh, yeah, it's cold down here. Oh, yeah, I'm chained up right now. Oh, yeah, it's dark. But I just got to tell you, I'm excited. Because everything that I'm going through is advancing the gospel. More people are hearing about Jesus because I'm in prison right now. It's becoming evident to even all the people around me that I'm here because of my love for God. And I'm not walking away from that. And Paul has an incredible perspective. And I wonder what it would look like in our lives if we had this perspective. That I'm going through something, but it's helping Jesus be known. In the middle of this trial, in the middle of this situation, in the middle of this circumstance, I might be walking through something right now. But man, I've noticed when I've, I've, I've seen this in my life, where you'll be walking through something difficult and somebody else is growing closer to God in the midst of it. 
And that's what Paul's like, I'm going through something hard right now, but man, Jesus is being known more than ever. People are coming to faith. The gospel is going forth even more because of the situation that I'm in. Have you ever watched someone else go through something difficult and it caused boldness to rise up in you? Have you ever watched somebody go through something really difficult and they went through it in the strength of the Lord and they had a good attitude and they had a godly perspective and you walked away from a conversation or you walked away from an encounter or you walked away from a Facebook post that you saw that they were putting out and you're like, I don't even know how they are in this state of mind right now with what they're going through. But it just makes me, it makes something, come on, it ever made something just rise up on the inside of you? It's like, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can stay faithful, I can stay faithful. If they can keep serving God, I can keep serving God. If they can keep going to church in the middle of this, I can keep going to church in the middle of this. If they're not leaving community around them because something's hard right now, I don't need to leave community around me when something's difficult right now. And something just, something just rises up on the inside of you. And Paul says, because of this, like believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, they're getting more bold because of what I'm walking through. I'm going through something right now and it's making them come alive. They're getting more bold. Boldness is rising up in them. I read this, this quote that I want to share with you. It says this, The gospel is not hindered by struggle and persecution when they are tied to our faith and witness. The gospel is not hindered. We would think when we go through something difficult, well, I can't do what I used to do. I can't preach the way that I used to preach. I can't, I, I, like, I, I can't do that thing the way that I used to do that because of what I'm walking through. I'm going through something difficult and my faith is wavering or whatever. Did you know that that actually, Paul, is the proof that whenever you're going through something difficult, it does not hinder the gospel. It does not hinder what Jesus wants to do. It does not hinder who Jesus wants to reach and who he wants to encounter and what he's doing through your life. Listen, the gospel is not hindered by struggle and it's not hindered by persecution when they are tied to our faith and witness. If it's not tied to your faith and your witness, that's when we start to waver. That's when we start to wonder. That's when we start to question God. That's when we start to get upset with God sometimes. That's when we start to pull away. You ever pulled away? Things, things started going, isn't this interesting? I'm going to say this, I'll get off this and we'll go on. Isn't it interesting that a lot of times in the most difficult seasons of our life, we run from the one who said he would never leave us or forsake us. We run from the one who gave his life for us and is always there and is the only one who can change it, walk with you through it, and a lot of times, listen, isn't this just human nature? This is just our sinful nature. This is how the enemy plays on difficult situations in your life. Is he will start to cause you to try to run from God. You're going through something difficult in your life, and so you stop coming to church. You're going through something difficult in your life, so you stop going to your grow group. You're going through something difficult in your life, so you stop serving with other people. And this is a huge tactic of the enemy. God says, run to me. The psalmist would say that God is close to, near to the brokenhearted. I mean, you're going through something difficult. 
the best thing that you can do is run to God. But man, it is such a tendency of ours to pull away from the things of God, pull away from the people of God because of what we're going through. And God says, no, you need to, now more than ever, you need to press in. You need to press in. You need to be more active. You need to keep doing the things that matter in your life. Struggle or persecution in your life doesn't have to stop you from sharing Jesus with the people around you. In fact, your faithfulness to Jesus in the difficult times is probably one of your greatest witnessing tools. Your faithfulness to continue to serve the Lord when things are hard in your life is probably, quite possibly, one of the most important witnessing tools that you have. Because when people look at your life and they're like, how can they be that upbeat? How can they be? Why are they still serving God? Even my wife referenced uh job if you've read through job his wife comes to him and says you just need to curse god and die well thanks for that encouragement (laughs) just curse god and die and job's like no i'm it doesn't matter what i go through i'm gonna stay faithful i'm not backing away from god when things are hard i'm pressing in to god when things are hard And Paul goes on, verses 15 through 19, says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Because of Paul being in prison, two different groups of people are preaching the gospel. There's one group that they have this boldness that's come up inside of them. And they're like, if Paul, oh no. We're not stopping now. We're going to pray for boldness, and we're going to preach the gospel even bolder than we have before. And then there's another group of people that got together. They had their little meeting. Come on, somebody. They had their little, you know, gossip session, and they got together. (laughs) Is that too real? Y'all are looking at me like. (laughs) They got together, and they had their little meeting, and they said, here's what we need to do. We need to talk about this. We need to preach this same Jesus that Paul is because if we continue to do it, they're going to get more and more upset about it and it'll make it harder and harder on Paul. And we don't like Paul anyway. We don't want to do it, Paul. So let's make it more difficult for Paul. And look, did you see Paul's response? He says, oh yeah, I've got, I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard that some people are, are more bold and they're preaching the gospel with pure motives. And I've heard that, you know, they had their meeting over here and they got together and they decided to preach the gospel to try to make it harder on me. But what does it matter? He says, the important thing is that Jesus is being preached. The important thing is that Jesus is being preached. And I've said this before and I will say it again every time I read this passage of scripture. What can you do to a person with that attitude about serving the Lord? What can you do to a person who would say, it really doesn't even matter? If they're trying to make it more difficult on me, 
or if they're doing it with pure motives, at least Jesus is being preached. At least people are hearing about it. And God can take even this group of people that are preaching to try to make it harder on me. He can still take that message, which the message is true, even though their motives are not. And he can still take that and he can reach people for his kingdom, even though they have the wrong motives. So what does it matter? Either way, I'm just glad that Jesus is being preached, that the gospel is being preached. It doesn't matter what their motive is. The important thing is that Jesus is being preached. What a beautiful picture of someone who really is all about Jesus and not their self. Every time I read this, I think, this man was so about God. That he did not, it didn't matter what he went through. His perspective was, this is, Jesus is being known more. The gospel is still being spread more. And even now that I'm in prison, it might even be better. Because people are becoming more bold. And even the ones that have the wrong motives are still preaching Jesus. This is, I can imagine Paul sitting there in prison and he's like, this is awesome. I'm in chains and more people are hearing about God. This is incredible. The people that wanted to make it more difficult on me and so they're preaching with the wrong motive, people are getting saved because of their message and God is taking what the enemy meant for evil, come on, and using it for good. This is amazing. This is worth it. This is a picture of someone who is not about... He's not about himself. He's not about what he can get out of it. He's not about his, check this out, comfort. Because Paul is not comfortable. But he's not about his comfort. He's about Jesus. And no matter what it takes, I want Jesus to be known. I want Jesus to be preached. I want the gospel to continue to go forward. It begs the question, do your actions and attitude reveal that you are more about yourself, your agenda, your desires, or do your actions and attitude reveal that your life is truly lived out for the glory of God and not yourself? If you were to just take inventory of your life right now, your heart, does the way that you act and the way that you live and the attitude that you have, does it confirm does it confirm that you live your life sold out for God? Or does it confirm that I've really just been about me? It's really just been about my desires. It's really like I'm really uncomfortable right now and I don't like it and I don't care who gets saved. I want out. And here's, listen to me. Paul's a great example. of a person who didn't live for themselves. But in every situation, if I have to go through this so that somebody else can experience God, so that the gospel can go forth, I'm glad that I'm here. Amen. I'll walk through anything so that Jesus can be known. And it's not about my comfort. It's about the gospel. It's about Jesus. 
It's about the person, listen, it's about the person that you can think of right now in your life that you know is not saved. And I'm not telling you, I, I do not believe for a minute that God causes bad things to happen. Not for a minute. But I believe he'll use them. He can take whatever you walk through and he can turn it around and use it for good. And so the question is really, would we be willing to walk through something difficult for the benefit of somebody else? Paul was. And this is a letter of joy. You might feel joyful right now. He said, I'm, I rejoice because the gospel is still being preached and people are getting bolder and more people are hearing about Jesus because of the difficulty that I'm having to walk through right now. What a perspective. It takes a radical kind of God-centeredness in your life to rejoice when someone intends harm for you but be more focused on how other people could still hear about Jesus in the process. I think, I think that's part of renewing our minds. I think that's part of being transformed, that it no longer becomes about me and my comfort, but it's about the greater thing. It's about God. And I can walk through anything because God can use it, Amen. and he's with me in it. Verses 20 through 26 he goes on, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. I love this statement. Paul says, some translation would say, to live as Christ, to die as gain. To live as Christ, to die as gain. You know what Paul's saying? I win either way. He even says, I'm, I'm torn. Because there's a big part of me that just wants to go be with Jesus. But there's another part of me that knows it would benefit you for God to continue to use me here. So he goes on to say, because of this, I know this isn't the end for me. I'm going to remain here. God's going to see me through because he's not done with me yet. But I'm still torn. I'm here, and at one point I thought they, maybe this was going to lead to an execution. Maybe they were just going to do away with me. And his perspective is, if I, if I stay living, I get to keep living for Jesus and telling more people about him. And if I die, I get to go be with Jesus. So I really don't know which one I want to do. Because both of them, listen to it, both of them are about Jesus. Both options are about Jesus and not him. Not his selfishness, not his agenda, not his comfort, but about Jesus. 
And either way, I love it because Paul says, either way, I win. Either way, I win. And one reason why I believe that, that some of us maybe, just ask yourself, would you be able to say that? Would you be able to go home today and say, if I die, it's okay? Because I get to go be with God. And if, I, if I'm still living tomorrow, that's great too. Because I get to tell more people about him. And I think, I think, this is my opinion. I think that there, there might be some of us, maybe even in the room right now, maybe you're watching online. There might be some of us that maybe we can't say the same thing as Paul because we've been more focused on ourselves and the things that we have in this life than we have been on living for the Lord. We've become more focused on, and, and listen, listen, this is not a condemning message, but I do hope that the Holy Spirit convicts you. Because there might be some of us, and myself included, I mean, there have been seasons in my life where I don't know if I could have said this. Because we become so attached to what we have and, and what's around us and, and us enjoying our life that we don't, it's like the thought, of, the thought of all of that ending, we wouldn't be able to say to die is gain because we don't feel like we're gaining anything. Paul knew if, if something happens to me, I'm actually gaining something. I'm not losing something, I'm gaining something. Many of us in our culture, we feel like we would be losing something. And it affects the way that we live. It affects the decisions that we make. It affects the places we go. It affects our attitudes. It affects our perspective. It affects everything about us. And Paul says, no, I know that if, if something happens to me, I'm actually gaining something. I'm not losing anything. And if I stay here, that's great too because I get to keep telling more people about the God that I serve who has changed my life. And they need to know him. And I, man, I pray that we would get to the place as individuals, as people, as families, to where we would say, this, this life is not about me. It's about God. It's about making Jesus known and serving him, being obedient to him. Wherever he's placed me, whatever job I'm at, I'm going to be obedient to Christ in this job. I'm going to be obedient to Christ in my family. I'm going to be obedient to Christ in the way that I live my life and the places that I go and the things that I do and the things that I say and the attitudes that I have and the way that I present myself to other people. I'm a, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Verses 27 and 28, whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. And you've heard me say this before. But I'll say it again, and this is a statement right here. I think we have it on the screen. The way that we live our lives as Christians really does matter. Yeah. Yeah. 
You are, you are saved by grace through faith. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything. To, you receive what Jesus, he did everything for you. The problem is a lot of times we get confused. We're working to try to make God happy. We're doing good things. We're showing up to church. We're trying to be a better person because we're trying to make God happy. Earn, in essence, we're trying to earn salvation. And you can't earn salvation. If you could earn salvation, Jesus did not have to die for you. He died for you because you can't earn it. You get to receive it. You receive salvation. But from that point on, the way that you live your life as a follower of Jesus, it really does matter. Because Jesus said things like, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good deeds and they will worship your Father in heaven. They will see the way that you live and they'll be like, I want God. I want God. I want that in my life. That they will see the things that you do. They will see the attitudes that you have. They'll see how you walk through difficult things. And they're like, I don't know what you have. And I don't even know if I understand it. But can you, can you tell me how you can walk through that and still be this way? Can you tell me how your marriage made it through that? Oh, yeah, I can tell you. It's because of God. Amen. It's because we leaned into him and he restored the way that we live our lives, it really does matter. And Paul even said right there in verse 27, he says, conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, live your life to confirm what you say you believe. Live your life in a way that it reflects the same thing that's coming out of your mouth when you say that you're a Christian, when you say that you're a follower of Jesus. Conduct yourself in a way that confirms that you're a Christian and I was thinking about it this, even this last week, toward the end of the week, as I was going back through this and preparing even more. And I thought, I wonder how many of us, myself included, have ever said that we're a Christian, but our life did not show that we were a Christian. We've got all the right things to say, but we have not surrendered our life. Jesus is our Savior, but we have never made him Lord. We have never said, I'm not living for me. I'm living for you. And whatever you tell me to do, wherever you lead me to go, that's what I'll do. Because I'm surrendered to you. I want to bring the worship team back. Too many times I think we're killing our witness because of the way, that, the way that we live doesn't confirm what we say we believe. And I know you know this is true. You've done this in your life. You've done this. You may have done this this morning. You may have done this this morning. When you walked into church this morning, here's, here's what we know about people, about ourselves, is that we watch people's actions way more than we listen to what they say. We watch what people do. And, and we're like, okay, they said that, but this is what I'm seeing. Right? For those of us that have kids in the room, how many of you know that a lot of times it's more important what your kids do than what they say? Because they can say they're going to obey you, but did they actually go do it? And it's the same way in our life as a follower of Jesus. We're called to follow 
Jesus. That's why it's called followers of Jesus. Jesus said, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And I just believe that our lives should reflect the decision that we've made in our heart and the things that we say and we declare and we claim to other people. Another thing I notice in these last few verses is we're called to be united as a church, working toward the same goal of reaching people for Jesus because there's power in a united church. There's power in being united. We can disagree over a lot of things. We can. But sometimes we're more focused on what we disagree about than the things that we actually have in common. And there are some, there are some non-negotiable, high-priority, completely essential things that we have to believe and we have to agree on. But there are other things that you may see it different than I do. And check this out. That's okay. <laughs> some of you are like, is that okay? Uh. Some, I think some of us are fighting battles we were never intended to fight over non-essential things. And I think, I just believe that God has a way of working some things out whenever we stay close to Him and we follow Jesus. And we don't get so focused on everything that's going on around us, but we say, you know what, I'm going to be aware of everything that's going on around me, but my goal is to follow Jesus. And in the process of following Jesus, we agree on this, and we know this, and this is true, and God's Word is true, and we're going to stand on God's Word, and we're going to stay with God's Word, and I'm going to continue to follow Jesus, and God's going to use me to change the things around me. I don't have to complain. I don't have to bicker. I don't have to gossip. I don't have to be about all this stuff if I'm following Jesus then he can help me be the person that changes the things around me. We need to be about following Jesus. Following Jesus. One writer made this statement. He said, How sad that much of the time, or much time and effort are lost in some churches by fighting against one another instead of uniting against the real opposition. It takes a courageous church to resist infighting and to maintain the common purpose of serving Christ. Amen. Man, what could happen? What could happen if the church united? If the church united, and we say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to unite together and follow Jesus. We're going to be about the things he's about. We're going to stay true to his word. We're not going to deviate. We're not going to go off over here and go off over here. No. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. And many are going that way. Narrow is the path that leads to life. And few find it. We'll follow Jesus. We're following him. And then chapter 1 ends this way. Verses 29 and 30. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. You guys can go ahead and start playing. Paul considered suffering for Jesus a privilege. So my question is, and what the Lord's been dealing with me about, is would I consider suffering for Jesus a privilege? Am I saying that God's going to cause something to happen in your life? No. 
and you've heard this statement before, that we live in a fallen world. And in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of loss, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of maybe persecution, would we be able to say, like Paul said, that suffering for Jesus, it's actually a privilege. I'm thankful that I even get to be in the same kind of suffering that he endured. I love this in Acts 5.41, the, the first church. Look at this. It says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. <laughs> they walked out of a not-so-nice situation, meeting, whatever you want to call it, being threatened. I mean, you go read the book of Acts. Just constantly, you need to shut up about Jesus. We're going to beat you. We're going to kill you. You need to stop it now. And it says they would walk away from situations like that. One time, a couple of disciples were in that situation. They go back to the other disciples, tell them what happened, and they didn't complain about it. They prayed, God, give us more boldness. Help us to keep being able to do what you've put us here to do. It says that they left and they were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. As I was studying these last uh, few verses, I came across four benefits of suffering in our lives. I want to give these to you and then, and then we'll, we'll sing this song and be done today. But here they are, and I think we have them all on the screen at the same time. It takes our eyes off of earthly comforts. We're talking about benefits to suffering. I'm not telling you you need to go out and suffer. Just go out and look for ways to suffer. I'm just saying you live in this world and there will be suffering. Jesus said you're going to face things in this life. But take heart. Rejoice. Take comfort. I've already overcome the world. It takes our eyes off earthly comforts. It weeds out super, superficial believers. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing like a little suffering to find out who's really following Jesus. And man, and, and myself included, there's nothing like walking through something difficult to really find out what your faith is tied to. You walk through something difficult in your life and you walk out of it and you're like, I held on to God. My faith is tied to Him. My faith is tied to Him. It strengthens the faith of those who endure. You come out, you always come out stronger. When you walk through something and God allows you to walk through something and He sees you through it, you always come out stronger. You always come out better. You almost come out with a different perspective. You always come out seeing things more from a God point of view than a selfish point of view. It always makes us stronger. And it provides an example for others in our lives. Others would look in and be like, hmm, if they can make it through it, maybe I can make it through it. I heard about what they walked through. Maybe I can walk through this. Maybe I can make it through this. Will you stand to your feet? I want to bring our prayer team down. Even in the midst of suffering and difficulty in life, listen, we can still have joy as we continue to follow Jesus. If Paul was here today, I think he would tell us, even if you're suffering, even if you're walking through something hard, even if life is difficult right now, you can still have joy in following Jesus. You can still have joy in following Jesus. 
And I want to pray for you. And then we're going to worship together for just a few more minutes. I love this part of the service because this is an opportunity for you. If you have anything in your life you need prayer for, you don't have to be a member of this church. This could be your first Sunday here. And you're like, I've got this going on in my life. I've got this going on in my marriage. I've got this going on with my kids. I've got this going on at work. I just need some encouragement. I need somebody to agree with me. I need somebody to pray for me. We would love for you to come down and receive prayer. We love to pray for people. We believe this is an important part of the service. But I want to pray over you. And then when the worship team begins to sing this song, if you need prayer for anything in your life, you can just slip out of your seat, come down, let somebody pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your presence. We know you are here today. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Your Holy Spirit is inside of us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. So, Lord, we thank you for speaking to us, and we thank you that we have the opportunity to follow you and serve you. And, Lord, I pray as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, if there's anyone here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, I pray that you would draw them for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.